Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Um, well, if you have your Bible with you this morning or an app on your phone, you can turn to Exodus chapter 18. We're going to get there in just a moment. This morning's message is titled, What's My Job? And it's regarding the job and the role of a pastor. And you might be asking yourself, well, why are you telling us about your job? You're the one who needs to know that. But the truth is, is that you need to understand my job so you can understand what your job is and your role as part of the body of Christ. And Pastor Darrell is going to bring that message next week that will explain what our job and role is as members of the body of Christ. And I use that term uh, are because I'm still a member of the body of Christ, but I am that as a Christian, not in the role of senior pastor. Uh, so we never step out of that role, but we need to understand which role we're in and what, what responsibility we're filling when we're in that role. And God started to show me this model in Scripture about 25 plus years ago on how to lead a church uh, his way. And uh, really laid upon my heart that once I was a senior pastor that these were the messages to to start with so that we all know uh, what is expected of one another. And God reconfirmed this for me about 14 years ago when I heard Pastor Robert Morris share two messages on, and he titled them, My Job and Your Job. And they really spoke exactly what God had put on my heart. And so I noted those and actually kept notes from those messages over the years and actually went back a few few months ago and pulled them up again and was listening to those. And so a lot of the scripture that we're looking at this morning is is related to, to the messages that he shared on, on the role of the pastor and the role of the congregation. And uh, I honestly never imagined, though, that this message would be shared in a church that in many ways has already abided and operated under this model. And that's thanks to Pastor Darrell and the way that he's led New Covenant Church. But unfortunately, in today's church, uh, churches that follow this model are the exception, not the rule. And so we're going to look at these two ways, and the two ways are the traditional way and the biblical way. If you think... uh, the pastor that's on the stage and the staff of the church are to do the work of the ministry, then you're thinking about the traditional way to do church. And by traditional, I mean unbiblical. The other church staff and I are not the ministers to the body. We're called to be the equippers of the body. And as believers, individual believers were ministers, but as leaders, we're called to be equippers. If you'll look with me, and this will be on the screen, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11, And he himself, this is speaking of Christ Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus Christ gave these offices of the church for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. 
If you don't understand that, you're going to come to church week after week, bringing yourself, bringing your family, and thinking that I or Pastor Daryl or one of the other staff is going to minister to you and your family, and then you can go home and go about your week and go about your days and then come back next week to be ministered to again. But that's not God's plan for the church. Each of us are to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, to minister to each other within the body and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around us, to our families, where we work, in our neighborhoods, everywhere that we encounter people that need the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Pastor Darrell's new role as teaching pastor is going to be an equipper. He's going to be offering opportunities outside of Sunday services to equip you to work in the giftings and uh, areas that Christ has called you to minister. It's interesting that uh, as we led up to the announcement last week and as the elders prayed about how this transition would work and what his new role would look like, that one of the things that we really believed about this role of teaching pastor is that he wasn't going to just get books. And this is this is what God spoke to him as well. It's not just we we didn't just tell him he was we was going to do these things. He was part of the whole process. But the, the feeling was is that God was calling him to put together things that would equip people in their giftings, in in the things that the Holy Spirit has has called them to do the work of the ministry. And so last uh, Sunday, we made the announcement and the transition. But I want to share with you a testimony that we received. I think it was on Monday. Uh, Many of you know Megan and Brant Martin. And they were out last Sunday and listened to the the message, I think, on the Facebook live stream. And uh, and I think Megan sent Connie a text later that day uh, or Monday. And um, in that text she described a dream that she had and like all of you she didn't know anything about the announcement that was coming until until they heard it but Saturday night so this is the night before the message the night before the transition Saturday night she had a dream and these are her words describing her dream Pastor Daryl taught a message and was giving toolkits afterward to certain people they weren't prepackaged or anything. He was putting together basic tools. In the dream, it was literally screwdrivers and other small tools for those who wanted to know more. And so she saw exactly what we felt God was leading us to and toward for the equipping of the saints in the ministry. And you'll hear more and more about that as, as it gets developed because it's going to be developed. He's got he's to start putting those toolkits together. But we're excited to see that God kind of just stamped and said, yep, you heard me right. You're walking in the way that I'm calling to you, you to walk. You're doing what I'm calling you to do. And to be clear, the work of the ministry occurs both inside and outside of the church. This isn't just something uh, that's in church. And so uh, we're going to be defining and looking at the responsibilities of the pastor. And I want to share real quickly a testimony um, just on that, the wrong way to do ministry. And in this case, you know, the Bible is telling us that we're to equip the saints. And so I was a youth pastor many years ago. I think it's about 15 or so years ago now. And um, I was over middle school, high school. I was also the associate pastor. And then anything else kind of that came along. So I was very busy and uh, had all 
on Wednesdays, we literally went like our ministry sessions where like we have all the different groups that we have, kind of like all the different ministries that you know that we have here at New Covenant. There we put them back to back so that I could do all of them. So I would have the young kids, then I'd have the next age group, then I'd have the high school. And I mean, it was just, you know, running, running around. Well, so I started to equip people to help me with the work of the ministry and raising up teachers and leaders and even had people that started teaching those classes and uh, things were going great. And then we started having people uh, complain uh, to, the, to the leadership and to the pastor that I wasn't doing my job. They said, well, what are we paying him for? He said, hey, by the way, it wasn't much. Uh, but they, but in their, they, what, what, what's that little bit we're giving him for, you know? And, um, and I was like, I'm equipping them for the work of the ministry. And I showed them, you know, these scriptures and thankfully the, the leadership and they didn't fire me. They didn't let me go, but there was constantly people that were frustrated that I wasn't doing all the things that in their mind I should do. And that's what we're looking at this morning. And like I said, I'm thankful that I think for the most part, New Covenant and the way that Pastor Darrell has led New Covenant is this model of ministry. But I want to be real clear up front. If any of you got excited and thought, maybe we're going to start doing things like other churches and the pastor is going to do it all, you're mistaken. <laughs> I'm not taking that on. We're, not only are we going to keep doing ministry this way, we're going to double down. We're going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we're going to do it because that's what God tells us we're supposed to do. So look with me at Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Verse 15, And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of, statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much. For you, and you are not able to perform this by yourself. I want you to notice that he says not only was it bad for Moses, but it was bad for the people. Doing it the wrong way doesn't benefit either group. It hurts the, the pastor, the leader, and it hurts the people. Verse 19, listen now to my voice and I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. So what he's saying here is Moses and the leader needs to be in prayer to stand before God for the people so that he may bring the difficulties to God. He didn't say stand before the people for God. That's the backward way. He said you're supposed to stand before God for the people. And unfortunately, this is one of the least things that many pastors are allowed to do because they're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. They meet with everyone else and they spend the least amount of time with God. It's difficult to be a pastor because our heart is for people. I love the church. I love the people that God has, God has called and I want to help people. 
But if I spend all or most of my time with you rather than with God, it's not going to be good for me and it's not going to be good for you. I can't counsel and lead the entire church of New Covenant on my own. Even if we include Pastor Daryl and Theron and the other several staff that we have, we can't do it. There's not enough of us. My first priority, according to God, is uh, to pray, to pray for, to him for you, that you might hear his voice, that you might respond. Nothing I could ever say or do can change your life. God has to do that. The power of Jesus Christ in you has to do that. Your ears have to be opened. Your heart has to receive. You have to be changed and transformed. You have to be the one that makes Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And when I say Lord, it means ruler over everything in your life. That you submit to the authority of Christ. I can't make you do that. The power of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you receiving Christ and submitting to that lordship has to be something that happens between you and him. And more is going to happen in that battle with me in prayer than it is in from the pulpit or, or speaking to you individually. God has to do that. He has to speak that to you. And when we operate in the right model, he will take care of that. There's a, several testimonies I want to share this morning. One of them, uh, and actually um, I think all of them are from the negative sense. It's things that I saw in ministry growing up and why originally as a kid the last thing in the world I wanted to be was a pastor because I saw the negative side of it. And this one is from when I was younger. We were in a church. It was growing. It was thriving. The Holy Spirit was moving. God was active. It was uh, one of the largest churches in our community. And um, the elders and some of the people... uh, in the congregation, decided that the pastor was praying too much. He was spending too much time with God. And he needed to do more work in the ministry. And so this conflict kind of arose. And uh, my father was actually on staff and one of the elders at the time and more of a supporter of his than than on the other side. But during this time, uh, they never actually got to the point where they fired him, but they just kept saying, you're, you know, you got to stop praying so much. And he couldn't stop. And this, this gentleman stayed friends with my family and I for the rest of his life. He's gone, him and his wife have gone to be with the Lord now. Um, but he resigned and he stepped down uh, because he was like, I can't, I'm not going to not follow God for you. You know, I'm going to do what I know he's calling me to do. And shortly after this, uh, the elders were praying after he'd stepped down and my father got a, a vision. It wasn't dreaming. It was like while he was praying in the meeting. And he said he saw two angels. And they were on a ladder. And they were hanging a sign above the church. And the, the sign said Ichabod. And if, if you know what that means, it means the glory of the Lord has departed. And from that point on, that church was in a slow decline. They had a Christian school. They were thriving. Uh, but over the next decades, and it didn't happen overnight, But the school closed, the ministries shrank, people just kept leaving and leaving, and it never saw growth again. And it's still there with the same pastor that took over from the other pastor, but it's literally a handful of people. And it never recovered from them deciding they were going to follow the priorities of man over the priorities of God. 
And my prayer is that we will never allow the priorities of man to take place over the priorities of God. That we'll lead and walk in His ways in any way that He calls us to lead. So first of all, I have a responsibility and the the leaders of the church have a responsibility to pray. Verse 20, And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. So the second priority is what I'm doing right now, to teach and proclaim the Word of God, the way to walk and the work to do. Many pastors spend less than four hours a week preparing for their sermons. And the reason is, They're doing the work of the ministry and can't spend time to seek God and get a word. Again, their priorities are out of place. A lot of preaching sometimes is on the way we must walk, but we have to make sure that we preach also on the work that we must do. And I want to strive to keep a balance in that. Next week, Pastor Darrell's message is going to be on the work of the ministry of the responsibility of the congregation, of the people in the body of Christ. So as leaders, we're to lead by prayer and teach the Word of God. The next thing is found in verse 21 through 23. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. So the third responsibility is to raise up leaders. So we pray, we minister the word, we raise up leaders. Have you heard this before, maybe in the New Testament? If you look at Acts chapter 6, verse 2, we'll see that the apostles had to deal with this situation. There was complaints that arose in the church, and they were complaining that the widows were being neglected in the daily food distribution. And here was the apostles' response, Acts 6, verse 2. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They weren't saying that the the tasks that were required weren't important and not needed. What they were saying is it wasn't something they could take time to do, because if they did, they would be neglecting prayer and ministering the word of God. And it's not to say that that's a lesser thing. You know, one of the seven men that they appointed was Stephen, full of the Spirit, proclaiming the Word of God. And they stoned him to death while he preached the Word of God. He was a table server. So it's not a less than position. It's just a different position that God has called us to. Even a table server in the kingdom of God can be full of the Spirit, ministering the Word. We're all called to minister. Many pastors have left prayer and the word of God to serve tables. And it's not good for them or for the congregation. We have to raise up more leaders for the work of the ministry and equip. And thankfully, Moses did. Look at verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. 
So God called Moses to stand before him for the people to show them the way to walk and the work to do and find faithful men and set them over them. The biblical method is much better than the traditional method for doing church for both the pastor and for the people. If I'm the only one that can marry and do funerals and counsel and go visit people in the hospital and lead small groups and visit you and have coffee and disciple, you're all going to be shortchanged. And I'll quit. (laughs) It's impossible. It's not possible. That's why most churches in America are under 200 people because one person is trying to do all the work of the ministry and they can't do it. And God won't bless it because it's not his way. We're going to look at one more example with Moses where God himself speaks and shows the same method. It's found in Numbers 11, 11. And we find the people of Israel have grown tired with the free food that God gives them every day. Can you imagine God's giving you food from heaven every day and you say, God, I'm sick of this stuff. I want something else. I want meat. And so they go to Moses and they're complaining and telling him, we want some meat. And Moses has just had enough. He's at the end of his rope. And Moses talks to God in, in Numbers verse 11. He says to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Verse 13, where am I going to get meat to give to all these people? They're weeping all over me. Saying, give us meat that we may eat. Verse 14, I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. This is the prayer of a burned out pastor. If I have found favor in your sight, Lord, just kill me now. One out of three pastors leaves the ministry because trying to take care of people spiritually is so much harder than just trying to take care of people physically. Someone's getting divorced. Someone has cancer. Someone's struggling with this or that. And the needs are endless. Our needs are endless. Every one of you has a need that needs to be ministered to by God. I can't do it. Pastor Darrell can't do it. Our staff can't do it. We have to minister to each other. And we have to spread and equip so that the ministry spread out. And the interesting thing is God did not put this burden on Moses alone. He never told him to do it the way he was doing it. In Numbers 11 verse 16 we see God telling Moses the same thing that he had told, that Jethro had told him. Verse 16 of chapter 11. Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you and will put that same spirit upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Notice that God references the elders and officers Those are the people that were already put in place based off of Jethro's advice. But that was more physically government 
uh, things that needed to be done. This is spiritual. So God's saying, yeah, that took care of that side, but now we need to take care of the spiritual side. And I'll give these 70 men the same spirit that I've given you so they can help you bear the spiritual burden, just like the other guys are helping you bear the physical burdens. As the church grows and as churches grow, we add more pastors and more elders and we equip more and more of the body to do the work of the ministry. And God says, I'll give them the same spirit that I have given you so that they can minister to the people and they can bear the burden with you. And that is what we're doing. You don't have to wait until you are perfect to be a volunteer. There isn't a perfect church. It doesn't exist We all make mistakes, but God has called each and every one of us to do the work of the ministry. And you will make mistakes. It's okay. Just keep going. Minister to your family at home. Minister to your neighbors. Minister to the people that you work with. And you may recall that at the very beginning I said there was four responsibilities, and we've only covered three I intentionally skipped the very first one. For that, we have to go back to verse 1 of chapter 18. You can see it on the screen or turn there in your Bible. Exodus 18, verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back. With her two sons. Verse 5. And Jethro, Moses' father in law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he said to Moses, I, your father in law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Jethro heard what God had done for Israel. He wasn't there to see it, he had to hear about it. That means they weren't there. They weren't with Moses and the Israelites. Moses had sent his wife and his children away. And now Jethro is bringing them back to Moses. Jethro is saying, I don't want your wife and kids anymore, Moses. I gave her to you once. I'm bringing her back. Don't send her back again. (laughs) I raised my kids. I don't need to raise yours. He's bringing Moses' family back. So what happened here? On the way to Egypt, Moses and his wife got into an argument. And then he sent them away. For that, we need to look at Exodus 4, 19. And we're going to get there in just a moment. But this is when God sent Moses on his way to Egypt. And we see what happened between Moses and his wife. And we also see that God equipped Moses for what he was calling him to do. Exodus 4, 19 through 25. You can read along in your Bibles. The screen's going to highlight it, but it's not going to have the whole scripture. Exodus 4, 19. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. In verse 19, Moses gets his mission. Go, return to Egypt. Then verse 20. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Moses gets his ministry from God. And notice he got it with his family. His family was present. 
And the rod of God refers to ministry. Moses was good with that rod. And prior uh, to him laying it down at God's feet, when God gave him the miracles, it had been referred to as Moses' rod. He had been a shepherd for 40 years and he'd shepherded with that rod, with Moses' rod. But God called him to lay the ministry of being a shepherd down. And then God possessed it. And from that point forward, the rod is referred to as the rod of God. So God called him and gave him his ministry. Our, sometimes our greatest asset can become our greatest liability if we don't lay it down at God's feet. And our ministry has always got to be submitted to God. And Moses submitted his rod to God and it became his rod instead of Moses's rod. So Moses received his mission and ministry from God. Then in verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. God told Moses, see that you do all the miracles. So Moses received miracles from God. One of the reasons that I think we don't see miracles as often today is because we want to take credit for them ourselves. Moses was known to be one of the most humble men. I think he wrote it about himself, the most humble man uh, before God. And so God was able to use him so much to the extent that here God has to remind him, Moses, don't forget to do the miracles that I showed you when you get there. So God had given Moses miracles along with the other two gifts. And now there's one more thing. Verse 22 and 23, he says, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refer, refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So God gave Moses his message. Let my son go. If you don't, I will kill your son. And we often miss this verse. Did you know God was very gracious with Pharaoh? Before any of the ten plagues, he told them how it was going to end. If you don't let my people go, your son is going to pay the price. But he refused every warning along the way till the tenth plague. And then his own son was given. And finally, he let the people of God go. So Moses had a mission from God. He had a ministry from God. He had miracles from God. And he had a message from God. Wouldn't you think he would have been ready to minister at this point? That he would be ready to go. Amazingly enough, he wasn't. Verse 24 tells us that on Moses' way to Egypt, God sought to kill him. We're talking about Moses here. This is the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible. This is the guy when Jesus is transfigured on the mount, the apostles wanted to make an altar because Moses... And the prophet Elijah came down. That Moses, God was going to kill. So why? What, what could have happened? What could have made God seek to kill Moses after he had prepared him, after he had raised him up for this purpose? We find out in verse 24. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he, meaning God, let him, meaning Moses, go. What was going on here? 
Moses was about to preach something to the people of Israel that he wasn't living in his own household. The Israelites had stopped circumcising their sons, something that God had commanded them to do. And he was going to go tell the Israelites to circumcise their sons, but he hadn't done it to his own children. God had told Moses, but he wasn't doing it for himself. The sad thing is that after this, Moses sent his family away. So she saved his life, (laughs) but his repayment was to send her and the kids back to Jethro. And they're gone from Exodus chapter 4 to Exodus chapter 18. You know what happens in Exodus 4 to Exodus 18? All ten plagues, the Red Sea parts. God delivers by the strength of his hand the people of Israel and shows himself. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that in the Old Testament, God revealed through the physical what he would do in the spiritual through Jesus Christ. So God reveals himself physically to all the people of Israel, but Moses' own wife and children miss it because he sent them away. He didn't put his family first. He didn't put them in the order of priority where they should have been. There were two spies when they get into the promised land, Caleb and Joshua, that come back with a good report saying, God will deliver the land to us. That could have been Moses' sons. But instead, they were among the people who didn't believe. They didn't believe that God would deliver them. They didn't believe that he was who he said he was or or that he had the power that Moses said he did. His own sons died in the wilderness. Bitter, along with his wife. Because Moses put ministry, the work, before his own family. He didn't die, thanks to Zipporah, but he still didn't fulfill the role he was supposed to be as the head of his household. And unfortunately, you can go through the Bible and find many of the people who are kind of heroes of the faith, yet they failed in their own household. But what God is saying is you have to put your family first. In this list of responsibilities, uh, one of the things that, you know, I said all my examples were negative. I've got one more in this category. Um, Again, when I was in Tulia, the pastor there, the senior pastor that I worked with, he was a great guy. He loved people. He loved to minister. But he consistently and habitually put the ministry and the work of the ministry, not the equipping, not raising up leaders, but just the work of the ministry above his own family. He uh, canceled vacations because things came up. He left vacations that he was with his family. He skipped events. He missed all kinds of things and just sacrificed them over and over and over to say this was more important. And what happens is what happened to Moses and his family is you might save everybody else, but you're going to lose your own household. I'm not going to lose my family for the church. And God's not asking me to. And thankfully, like I think I said this earlier, maybe it was the first service, but again, Pastor Daryl has given a model of that where they've lived that life. He didn't do it either. They've got grown kids and grandkids that are still following the Lord. I plan on doing the same thing with my family. 
We know how to work in the ministry. Our whole lives have been serving in the ministry. Right now, my wife and children are serving in the children's ministry. They, they came and attended the 830 service. So they can serve the body and minister and equip our children to serve Christ. Because that's what God's called us to do, and we're going to continue to do that. But as the role of senior pastor and the role of the staff, God is calling us when we're in that role and operating in that role that our job is to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry wherever we go. And we can minister. We could minister to this entire city. There's nothing that God can't accomplish with this plan. It's the way that he set it up. It's the only way that works. And it's the way that he's called us to do the ministry and to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. So my first responsibility is to have a personal relationship with God. My second responsibility is to be a good husband and a good father. If I lose my family, I can't pray for you. The word says that if you're in disagreement with your wife, God won't even hear your prayers. So I have to keep that responsibility just so I can pray and God will hear my prayers. I can't teach the word. I can't have a platform. I can't equip you if I don't take care of them first. I will prioritize my relationship with God and my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, and then I will fulfill my role as pastor to pray for you, to teach the word, and to equip you for the work of the ministry. Because that's the way that God has called us to do it. As members of the body of Christ, God has called us all to the work of the ministry. This morning, I want you to ask yourself, what is God speaking to me this morning? Are you being a good husband? Are you being a good wife? Are you being a good father or mother? And I'm not asking you to condemn yourself because we could all do better. But I am asking yourself to listen to God and see if he's telling you you might have a priority out of order. That you might be putting something in place. You might be putting work above your family. One of the things that we mentioned last week is that God brought me to this place in an unconventional way, going through years in the corporate world and IT. And this is one of the lessons that he taught me there. You can put work in front of your family as easily as you can put ministry in front of your family. And don't misunderstand me. God comes first. God is first, but God is not the work of the ministry. Our relationship with God has to come first, then your family, then your work. And when we get those things out of order, nobody's going to be happy. Nobody's going to be blessed. You have to put it in the right order. So ask God this morning for yourself. Are there things that I have out of order? And if I do, Lord, help me put them in the right order. Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you have given us a way that works. That your word teaches us ways that we can do literally worldwide ministry and not one person has to be overburdened. Because you raise up leader upon leader upon leader and you're willing to give your spirit to those people that they can help manage spiritually just as well as things in government. 
Lord, we can reach this body, we can reach this community, we can reach this state, and we can reach this world with your plan. And Lord, we pray that your body, the body of Christ, will operate according to this plan that you've given us. Father, I just pray right now, this morning, that each of us as individuals would hear you and hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us on any priority that we might have out of order and that you, the only one who can do anything about it, will do a work in our heart to transform us into the way that you've called us to walk. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.